as you're turning back to Ephesians chapter 5, we um, spent some time in New Orleans this past week, which was uh, our first time in that area. Very interesting and unique part of the, the country. Um, you probably didn't realize that that's the home of uh, one of our great museums, the World War II Museum, uh, which we were very fortunate to be able to stay right across the street from and, and to uh, visit. And just, it's an amazing uh, thing, a little chilly. Uh-huh. <laughs> Don't mind the man in the back. <laughs> Um, it'll warm up right when we're done. It'd be perfect. <laughs> when, um, when we're there, there's just so much going on and um, just makes me think about things, makes me contemplate things. You know, I'm still, you know, as we fly out there and we're looking at, you know, military aircraft, it's like, I, I still don't understand. Like you see these big giant planes. It's like, how does that thing get off the ground? I don't get it with with tanks inside of it jeeps i mean they're it it, they had hang gliders that carry jeeps it's like this is i just i don't understand it it's i my father-in-law is smart and has tried to explain it to me and it's like you know I, i i don't know how it gets off the ground and then we see things like you know uh weapons you know from world war ii and uh, they had an exhibit on the, you know, the, the atomic bomb and how that was made. And it's like, I can see the formula on the wall. You know, I can see it's like, so these guys in their minds thought, well, you know, we, we could split an atom in half. Then, you know, we could you know, blow up the world. It's like, how would you even come to that conclusion? It's like that. And they were spot on. I mean, they knew what they were thinking about at the time and then what they were able to accomplish and do and you know as you sit there and watch it and you're just like wow that that's that's incredible how how is that taking place um you know i i like you know youtubing things and learning about you know sink traps and it's like you know what's a sink trap in a sink and it's like how's the water in there and then there's actually gases in there it's like oh well this is fascinating stuff and one of the things that's always been fascinating to me and we've kind of moved a little bit past it but it's it's photography especially the dark room I, I don't know if any of you've ever been in a dark room we've probably seen it on TV or movies or something so we have the general idea that you know somebody goes in this really really dark room and um, and, and they get the film you know which again it's like you do this and it goes on to film that's black and then a guy like you know rubs it around in chemicals and water and voila it's like this beautiful photo i don't get it i've watched videos and they've explained it and explained the process and it's like yeah i still don't get it um in that process of you know of, of capturing the image you know we're we were on our, our our phones a lot this week right videoing and taking photos on a phone <laughs> and then you send it to somebody on a phone it's, it's incredible well the bible talks about something that's incredible in a in a spiritual way in a di- different way and, and and it's how god is 
light and how God illuminates. And so we understand in a dark room, there's like this dark room, you get a blank roll of film, and it's nothing. It's literally nothing until it goes through the process. And if you don't send it through the process the right way, what happens? It's nothing. It's garbage that gets thrown away. If it, there's too much light exposed in the beginning, it's ruined and destroyed. So it has to go through the perfect, exact perfect process. You have to follow the steps. Well, as humans and sinners, we like shortcuts. We don't like steps. We, we want to cut. Well, when you do that, it ruins the film. When you do that in life, it, it creates havoc in your life. It may ruin your life by taking those shortcuts. Well, we know John 8, 12 talks about, uh, about God being the light. And, and he who are followers of God follows the light. And, and that means you don't walk in darkness. Now, there's a contrast there. First um, John 1, 5 talks about in him, that is in God, there is no darkness. There, there's light or darkness, not both. God is light. He is, he is the illumination. Well, what's illumination? What does it mean to illuminate? Well, it begins with to help to clarify, help to explain it. it. It reveals, right? So if you're in a dark room and that little spark of life reveals where you are and, and it allows you to go on your path, it, it makes things brighter so that you can see. Well, today we're going to see the process of, of living in the illumination of God's light, living in the illumination of God's light. And we see this in five ways. We're going to see uh, the contrast, uh, the characteristics, the command, the commission, and then finally the call. Well, let's turn to Ephesians 5, beginning in verse 7. It says, therefore, do not be partakers with them. When we're studying God's word, we always want context. We don't want to just parachute into one word, one verse. We, we lose context of, of what's going on. So the context here is, and it's funny because Ephesians 5, 1 begins with, therefore also. So what you, you have, and you, you see the same thing in Ephesians 4, 1, it's a continuation of thought, right? So there's a continuing line of thought that's happening through the, the book of Ephesians. It says, look, therefore, verse 1, be imitators of God as beloved children, not as robots, not as soldiers, as children, as, as loved children, and walk in that love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us as an offering and sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. So as God loved us, we love him by imitating him. We, we don't imitate him to earn salvation. We don't imitate and follow God to win it. We, we can't do that. It, it's a free gift given to God. But like our parents, we obey, we love, we follow because we love them. Not because we like owe it to them like a, as, a, as a checklist. They wouldn't even want it that way. 
They, they want a free will love as, as, just as God does. Verse 3 says, But don't let immorality, impurity, greed even be named among you. It's not funny. Verse 4, And there must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting. Instead, use your mouth to give thanks. We don't seem to think that there's a problem with being crude and lewd. Um, it's one of the pitfalls of a place like, you know, uh, New Orleans is, I mean, they have whole streets dedicated to being as lewd as you possibly can in public, in the morning, in the, the light of day, not even in the darkness. We see this in kids and young people that, that saying things that are, are, are coarse or foolish or silly, it's perfectly acceptable. Well, it's not. According to God, verse 5, for this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. You're playing with fire. You, and look at the, the range here. It's immoral and impure. People who covet, that means you wanting from a covetous desire other people's stuff. So that could be anything. That could be their shirt, their dog, their car, their house, their bank account who's an idolater, has an inheritance in the kingdom of God. It's a big warning. Verse 6, so, so don't let people deceive you with empty words. What people? Pagans? Sinners? No, Christians. Don't, don't let Christians, don't let pastors deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God has come upon the sons of disobedience. Of course, the pagan and the sinner is going to deceive you with empty words. But we also have to beware of empty words within the body of Christ, with, with each other. That's why we use God's word. We, we know that I'm right because this is what God's word says. And we all can keep each other accountable with that. So then we come to verse 7. Therefore, with all this in mind, don't be partakers with them. Don't do it. Don't partake. Don't join them. Don't join that way. Uh, we, we, we don't get through life by going to psychologists or philosophers or self-help gurus. That, that's not how we get through life. We, we, we get through life by not partaking with the world, by not thinking like the world, by not going to the world's playbook. We go to God's playbook. That's where we see illumination. We, we, we don't partake because that, that, that those things are, are not of God. Um, and we're now new in Christ. We, we, there's a reason why we don't have a bunch of like, you know, black and white movies anymore, right? We like color. <laughs> eh, it's cool for like five minutes, but it's like, yeah, or maybe there's a movie. It's like, that was kind of neato, you know, that black and white movie. And then what's the first thing we do? Let's get back to the color, right? Same thing with photography. There's some beautiful art that's black and white, but it's like, yeah, that's pretty cool, but I like color. Let's get some color. Why? Because it's, it's new. We've, we've passed that. We've advanced. It's the same thing spiritually. Look, we're, we're to be new creatures in Christ, 
partakers with Christ, not partakers with the sinful world. Don't do it. The, the scriptures demand that we are separate from this kind of, of darkness. There's an emphasis, especially in Ephesians, on being imitators of God. We start at verse 1. And so we, we're, we're, we imitate, we walk like, we follow God's way. Not our way, not the world's way for sure. So this process of illumin illumination of God's light begins then, verse 8, with the contrast. The contrast. There's a contrast between light and darkness. Okay, we, we don't meld them together. It's, it's you know, we, there's, there's a difference. How so? Verse 8. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Walk as children of life. Did you catch that? You were formerly darkness. There's no modifier there. It's very, very curious. It doesn't say you were in darkness. You were darkness. We like to blame shift and we like to say, you know, I was raised in a bad situation, right? I mean, that's like the sport of the day. You know, well, it's not your fault. It's the environment that you were raised in um, that you're accountable for. But nobody wants to say that. Nobody wants to be accountable for that. And the truth is you were darkness, not the environment you lived in, not your parents, not your neighbors, not the world. You yourself were darkness. As, a, as Romans 5 says, you were a sinful, ungodly, helpless enemy of God. That's who you were. That's you were that darkness. You were spiritually dead, dark. The darkness is contrasted to spiritual death. And so every, for every believer, there was a life before salvation. That's why we need to be born again, right? A new creature in Christ. The contrast should be evident because you were just utter darkness. Now you're not. So how could you once be darkness and now be in the light, but now still look like darkness? May it never be. Verse 8 says you were darkness. You were formerly darkness. These are our past tense. That, that's lay it behind. Lay it behind. Forgetting what lies behind, right? Press on. Look forward to what lies ahead. You, you may have sin. Abundance of sin in your past. We all do. It's just a matter of how much of it. And there may be utterly grotesque things back there. You know what the Lord has saved us from? Forget it. Let it go. At the heart of psychology and philosophy is the complete reversal of God's word. What do they say? Go back to it. Start from the beginning in the crib. How bad your parents were. How bad your environment was. Remember every little detail of somebody who hurt your feelings. Somebody who did you wrong. Go back and remember. Is that biblical? 
That's not biblical at all. God says, forget it. The definition of love in 1 Corinthians 13 is do not keep account of wrongs suffered. Well, if you remember all the past, you're keeping account. You're keeping track. Don't keep track. Let it go. Now, you won't hear this today because the world says, don't let it go. Cling to it. Cling. Seek it out. Invent it if you have to. I mean, all of us, let, let's be honest. I mean, we, we embellish, right? We were all better athletes when we were eight years old. You know, I just watched a championship eight-year-old football game yesterday. Now, I was very blessed and fortunate. And I, I played sports at some high levels and played at some really cool places. And I, I, have, no re I have no idea how I can't remember three at-bats that I had in Angel Stadium. But I can remember things I did on a football and baseball field at eight years old. And as I'm watching my nephew playing, I'm, I'm just thinking, I wonder what he's going to remember because he's going to remember this. Um, he's going to be faster. <laughs> he's going to have bigger hits. It's all going to be like really, really big. And it's like, what are we watching? We're watching a bunch of little jack-in-the-box kazooing out there, boop, 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 you know, <laughs> bopping heads. Um, but in his mindset, well, we do the same thing with bad things too. And, and I understand that there, there are real bad things that happen. I, I, I get that. But you're called to let it go. It's of no value. It's of no value. And now you're supposed to get out of that darkness and come into the light. Because you were formerly darkness, but now you're in the light. So what's the response? Walk as a child of the light. Well, now we're fortunate because we understand that there's, that's kind of a loaded statement because now you're the light in the Lord. You're to walk as a child of light. Well, we know what that means. We've been adopted by God. We are now joint heirs. We now have a full, a full reward waiting for us in heaven. Isn't that something to look forward to? as now a new child of the Lord, that I, I should be thinking about that and how to be thankful for that and how to live in the light of that, not sin in the past. We have to learn to let that go. A person who saved from sin then should be done with that sin should be done with the the immoral impurity the filthy talk the coarse jesting the the things that that just aren't fitting for for a child of god who walks in the light those, those are the things of, of the dark it, it's amazing how how honest sin is <laughs> sin hides itself right Sin does it at night, late at night. Sin does it when nobody's looking. Sin keeps it a secret. Well, why? Because you're not proud of it. It's not honorable. It's not good. Sinners even know and understand that. That's why I say it's honest. They honestly know that this is wrong and I'm sinning. 
Um, they do it in the darkness. A person saved now walks in the light. He is the light. He's, he's been delivered from the domain of darkness. And so there should be a great difference between uh, uh, an undeveloped roll of film, an undeveloped print versus a developed one, right? An undeveloped print is black. It's, it's void. A developed one brings out the beauty, brings out the, the art. It should be noticeable. Well, in what way? Well, in living in the illumination of God, we see the, the characteristics. Verse 9. For the fruit of the light, we're called to be children, to walk as children of light. The fruit of that light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. So what are the characteristics? What, what, what are the characteristics of then being this child of light and, and exhibiting the, the fruit of the light? Well, it tells us straight up what the fruit is. It's goodness, it's righteousness, and it's truth. So we'll, we'll look at that. But, but notice the illustration here. It's, it, it, I love God's word. It's so it, it's so poetic it, it's so descriptive and you know the fruit of light when, when you think of fruit you think of like a fruit tree right or you know that that bears fruit well it's got to be it's got to be healthy well how do we know when it's healthy it bears fruit a healthy tree bears fruit a tree that bears good fruit is a healthy tree it's kind of the same thing right and so the process then of of being a fruit tree of light means that, well, we should be in that process of growing. It doesn't mean that we're all like that, that big old flourishing tree at all times, at all moments. Some of us are in different stages of our growth, of our treehood, of our, our spiritual walk. That's why we call it the process of sanctification. Um, and so some of us are day one in the Lord. Some of us are in year one. Some of us are in year 10, some in year 30. Some of us are, are 10 years old. Some are 20, some are 50. We're, we're all in different stages of, of growth. And the picture here is, well, we're, we're fruit of light. And so you as a fruit tree have some different elements of, of, of light, of exposure. That's okay. We, 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 we're, we're not all Billy Graham. Believe me, I, I, I w wish I spoke better. I, I, you know, I, w I wish I was you know, more, more powerful and dynamic like a Billy Graham, but I'm not. Well, maybe someday I will be. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. <laughs> you know, I'm still growing and developing and things like that. All of us are. So, but the characteristics then, okay, so, well, let's take a look at you. Do you, or do you have some fruit are you are you working on are, are you and i love this phrase trying to learn right you know coaches and you know me and their frustration are you even trying <laughs> so what are you doing out there you know the guy went right around you block him get in front of him fall down make him jump over you just do something are you are you trying 
right? That's like a frustrating statement. Here it says, look, we should, as, as children of the light, to bear fruit of the light, should be trying to learn. Now, gut check. Are you trying? Are you even trying to learn? Now, evidence number one is you're here. A big part of coming to church is you're trying to learn. That's a big piece of church is learning, right? Yes, we sing. Yes, we give. Yes, we serve. Yes, we fellowship. But we, we also have a teaching time and a learning time. So that's like, all right, good. There's at least some effort of trying to learn. But but what else? Are, are you doing the work on the side, right? Are you, are, are you reading the word on your own? Are, are you studying it? Are you diving into it? Are you a Berean? Are, are you trying to learn? Are you just kind of going through the motions and trying to learn what? The things that are pleasing to the Lord. What I love about scripture, what I love about expositing God's word and, and, and reading a book and reading it to the end and not just like diving into certain passages of scripture where you just basically are going to see the same thing every time. It's like, hey, I don't know what's coming next. You know, what, is, what, what track does God have me on? Where are we going in chapter five? Where are we going in chapter six? What's the next book, right? Well, if you're, if you're learning, if you're trying to do what's pleasing to the Lord, then I come to God's word. I come to scripture and go, look, I'm willing and I'm going to change anything that I see God say I don't like. I don't like silly talk. I don't like coarse jesting. I, I want you to use your mouth for something better. That was a, a major source of conflict for me when I first became a believer and, and to some extent still is because I had a, a, a foul mouth. I was literally like a pirate. You know, when I went to, was saved and came to the Lord and found myself on a Christian campus and it was like, you might as well just, you know, had a little pirate ship and, you know, when I hear, you know, I come walking off with my mouth. Not appropriate. I, I had to, to repent of that. The characteristic then of the, of the fruit of the light didn't look so good. I, I was ashamed to hear as, as people well-intentioned would say this to me. Man, you know what? I, this, this is a shocker. You're a really neat guy. Now, some people take that as a compliment. You know what? I would never know without talking to you that, that you love Jesus. Boy, I thought you were this. You know what they were saying to me? You're darkness. They meant it to be nice. But what they're saying is what I see is I see a jerk. I see an arrogant, egotistical, typical jock that doesn't love Jesus, that loves himself, that has a filthy mouth. Whoa, you do love Jesus. When I was reading the scripture and I was talking about how we're to be light and we're to be stars, light and stars don't make noise. What do they do? They shine without words. And I realized I needed to be different. I needed people to be able to see that I love Jesus just by looking at me. And I had no idea what that meant at all. And then the scriptures started teaching me because I was 
trying to learn. I was trying to learn what was pleasing to God. And then what that meant was it wasn't the things that I thought were pleasing to God. It was the things that God said are pleasing to him. What's pleasing to him? Goodness, righteousness, truth. So when we look at the marks then of true, authentic faith in this passage, we see, well, be good. Be good in what way? Be good morally. Don't just, well, you know what? Jesus saved me, so ah, I don't have to be moral. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Those people will not inherit the kingdom of God. Be excellent in your moral behavior. In righteousness, what is righteousness? As we, we sang about it, holy, holy, holy. It's how we live. How do we live? What's the standard? Perfection. Well, I can't be perfect, so I'm not even going to try. No, try. Try your best. Do your best. I often say, you know, good, better, best. Never let it rest here. Your good is better and your better is best. Maybe you're just good. Fine, get better. Spiritually, get better. Well, okay, I'm better. I'm better than you. Well, be the best. There's a big world out there. And you know what? And the standard is God and Christ and perfection. So if you're the best, well, be bestest. And guess what? If that's your goal, you will be seeking to be righteous in, in the line of Christ for your whole life, which is a good thing. Don't give up. Don't settle for good. Good is the enemy of great. Mm -hmm. And then finally, we see here the third mark, the third characteristic of this, this child of light is truth. Boy, what a, what a, what a nuance today. That, that truth, being honest with your words, that, that your words are, are reliable and trustworthy is important. Well, you would think that was a given. Uh, I was reading a book on the plane and it's uh, one of my favorite secular authors and he always has a, uh, an interesting twist. And so I like arguing with, with, with the book or with him. And, and in one of his his chapters he's talking about spies and, and how these you know spies in cuba you know they, they they're they're america's number one spy was like a rock star they found out was a double agent and it's like this is terrible how could we be so wrong about about our best spy and then you know what they found out all of them were double agents all of them every spy we had in cuba was a double agent. And I was like, that's, that's crazy. We're, we're good at, at detecting liars. And then they went back and they went, well, how, what was our track record in Europe? Like, after, you know, during the Cold War, and you know what they found out? We're terrible there. We had double agents there too. It's like, our spies who are then now, just imagine being in a room, all of us in the room are CIA agent spies. We're all trained to identify truth. And in this room of, of people who are professional at it, they found out that, you know, uh, there's like a total of like 46% of, of American CIA agents were, were spies. And it was over a long period of time. Well, 
people have become great at not being honest, at not being reliable, and not being trustworthy. How do Americans become double agent? Well, in their integrity, something else lured them away. Money? I don't know. Um, so God says, look, the characteristic then looks like this. It's good, excellent moral uh, nature. It's, it's righteous. Be perfect. Be holy. And it's honest. It's true. How many friends do you have that you can honestly say have never, you've never seen them lie? It used to be, you know, oh, well, Rick, Bob, you know, and now it's like, well, if you know him for more than five minutes, you've probably caught him in a lie. That, that's a sad thing. And most of us hang out with just Christians, right? Our character should be marked by the things then that please God. Not hypocritical, not sometimes in the darkness, sometimes in the light. No, not following deceptive ways or false ways. Well, the third process of living in illumination is, is understanding the command, the command, the exhortation. God is not asking you. He's telling you, do, verse 11, do not participate in unfruitful deeds of darkness. Do, do you hear that? Do not participate in unfruitful deeds of darkness. Don't do it. Don't partake in it. You're, you're, you're not to do the evil that's around you. You're, you're, you're not to live in the old ways that you used to be. You're not to explore the, the curious things, right? Well, maybe if I just tried this once, maybe, I don't know, a lot of people are doing it. They, they're not dead. And see any lightning bolt strike them down. Um, maybe, I, maybe I could just try it a little bit. No, don't participate. These things are unfruitful. They don't bear fruit. Now, now, you think it does, but it doesn't. It, it's false. It's fake. In fact, it, it, it's a killer. It's a poison. These are, let's make no mistake, deeds of darkness. And instead of doing them, notice what the scripture says. Instead, expose them. Don't do them. Stop doing this stuff. In fact, you know what? Expose it. When you see it, well, I don't know, I'm not a snitch, right? Snitches get stitches. I'm not a snitch. Uh, don't judge. I, you know, you're not supposed to judge. Don't judge. That's not what the scripture says. Don't hypocritically judge others for doing the things that you're doing. Log in the eye guy, right? Judging people for their spec. It doesn't say don't judge people for their sin. In fact, we're commanded to exhort people. We're commanded to, to teach people how to live and how not to. We have a whole generation of people who are not being told what the truth is right now. Little Johnny won't, thinks, you know, he's little Sally. Okay, go ahead. Start cutting things off. What if little Johnny wants to be pirate Johnny? One-armed pirate Johnny. Let's cut it off. Put a hook on there. It'd be super cool. What's the difference? I want to be one-eyed pirate Johnny. We'll just gouge the eye out. Well, seriously, what's the difference? Well, 
when, when you follow the darkness, things get crazy. I, I, it sounds ridiculous me saying this right now. Couldn't even imagine saying this five minutes ago. But now it's happening all over the world. Mutilation of people because they think, they think that the way of the world is okay. Instead, so because we love people, because we love you, we're going to expose this. We're going to expose deeds of darkness. Verse 12, the, it, things that are disgraceful to even speak about. Things that shouldn't be spoken of out loud, right? And those things are now being taught in schools to five-year-olds. So what we're supposed to do now is we're supposed to, and there's a command to point out deeds of darkness. Well, what are deeds of darkness? These aren't your opinions. These aren't just like piccadillies that you don't like. Right, you 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 only like skirts, you know, that are made from drapes that go all the way down to the floor, you know. No, we, we don't make up our standards of morality or immorality. We go to the Bible, and the Bible clearly gives us clear outlines of of what's good and, and what's not bad. And Ephesians 4:1. Look, we're to walk in a manner worthy of the calling. What does that mean? With humility and gentleness and patience, right? So those are some good things. And then we go over to Ephesians 5 or, or 4.18 and we see things like, well, look, being darkened in their understanding, being in the darkness, being darkness, the things that, that people do, the heart of heart, they're callous, they practice every kind of impurity with greediness. Remember we studied that in verse 25, therefore lay aside the falsehood, speak truth to one another, be angry, but don't sin, don't steal any longer. Verse 28, verse 29, let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth. Uh, verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger, clamor and slander be put away. Instead, verse 32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other. Look, God has given us the blueprint of what is right and what is wrong. Now do it. It's very simple. It's a command. Therefore, do it. Don't participate in the bad stuff. Participate in the good stuff. And when you see the bad, then you need to expose it. You ever been hiking or you know going somewhere and you, you've got somewhere with you? We were on a on like a jungle cruise thing in the in the bayou swamp okay to go see you know the the, the pet alligators um and the wild and the wild boar and the raccoons you know what you do when you're in that boat you know the little skiff boat you listen to the captain right who says keep your arms inside at all times is he doing that because he doesn't want you to have a good time no he's doing that because but you may not know as an alligator from the water can jump into and out to you like five feet from the water. So if you're like, ooh, neato, here comes the gator, which is what happened. And it's right there. And you're leaning out to get that great, you know, well, your camera and your arm might end up in his mouth. Listen to the warning. Warnings are there. Rules are there to protect you because of love, not because they don't want you to have a good time. Almost had a raccoon jump in our boat. He like scurried up the little tree to, and he's like plotting, you know, I'm getting ready to jump in. It's like, hey, be alert. Get ready. Um, 
Some of them. So we're commanded then. Commanded. Don't participate with that. Well, the fourth process of living, living in illumination is there, there's a commission. There, there's, there's a commission for us. Well, what is that? Verse 11 The commission then exposed them, verse 12, for it is a disgraceful thing even to think, even to think or do or speak of these things which are done to them, seer, but, but all things become visible when they are exposed by the light and everything that becomes visible is light. So our process then, our process looks like this, that to be fruitful to help others to be fruitful. The correction is the correction of the affirmation of the positive. So in sports, you don't, you don't tell a guy, you know, he's getting ready to make the free throw, you know, to win the game. Hey, don't miss. Go get him, Tiger. It, that's a negative command, right? You give him the positive command. Hey, don't forget, you know, finish the stroke, whatever it is. You give, you give a command that's a positive thing to do. And so we're commanded not to live in the past. That's a negative. Press on to what lies ahead in the future. That's a positive. When we are talking with people, when we're trying to help them spiritually, what we want to do is, is to, to make visible, to expose the things of light. How shall we then live? Well, this is what God says. Galatians, the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, right? Self-control. This is what we need to do. Be kind. Be kind. Be loving. Be patient. Be tender. Be forgiving. These are the things that we try to expose to one another, not just the don'ts. Uh, you know, it... it the Christian life goes beyond just like not doing things. I remember in high school when I was in high school and, you know, I was finding my way in the Lord and stuff, but in my, you know, my gorilla math, and I've said this before, look, if, if, if I'm not like doing drugs, drinking, you know, and sex, I'm good. No, you don't love Jesus, man. Not doing things isn't enough. Living for Christ is what Christ wants. Christ wants a child, a son of light, a daughter of light who loves him and serves him and does this stuff because of love, not because it's what not to do. And so he lays it out for us how, how we live. And we, we were exposed kind of like photography to what is good. The Bible has a lot to say that's very, very different than the world, right? Like, like, hey, stay pure, then get married, and do that forever. As opposed to, well, let's, you know, let's, let's test out the tires and live together and see how, how it goes. And if we don't like it, then we leave. That's the world's way. And that way is, is, is dark. God has given us the, the picture, the, the blueprint, the layout. He's exposed to us the beauty of life and marriage and family and what that looks like in the right way, biblically, not the worldly way. And so we're to 
to make visible then the things that are dark and expose them to the light and expose them to the light. Well, finally, we see the call, the call, verse 14. For this reason, notice the buildup. Therefore, don't be something. Therefore, do not participate. But all things become visible. For this reason, here's a little tight little summary. Now, for this reason, it says, awake, sleeper, arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Awake, sleeper. Awake. Wait, wake up, sleeper. You, you're, you're, you're not paying attention here. Psalm 51, 17. Turn with me there. Psalm 51. Make sure I Psalm and not Proverbs. I think it's, yeah, it's, I think it's Proverbs. No, it's not Proverbs, it's 51. Um, <clears throat> can't turn there. I wrote down the wrong thing. We're, we're called here not to walk in like a, a going through the motions, half awake. We're to wake up. Now, this isn't like one of those, hey, wake up. It, it, it's, it's a more gentle concept. And in its gentleness, is look, you need to wake up. Why? Because in the stupor, in the sleep, you're, you're dead. You're spiritually dead. Revelation 20.10 says, look, hell is day and night of tormenting. It's forever and ever. 2 Corinthians 5.21 reminds us that darkness, that hell, leads to an eternity the domain of darkness is not a fun place. It's not an after party for the sinful world. It's a weeping and gnashing of teeth that God is trying to tell us, look, wake up. Wake up from the dead. Remember, the trespasses of our sin leads to death. Death. The good news, the good news is that God has provided the remedy. And Christ, if you wake up from your sleeper, you arise from the dead, Christ will shine on you. There is hope. There is hope. We don't have to stay in this dark state. We don't have to live in disgrace. We don't have to be people who are defined as darkness. You once were, you once did, but now you become a child of light. And so the call then is to wake up. The alert is to be on alert. The summons is to then repent of these things and to live in the fruit of the light. We have been freed from the penalty of sin. We were on a plantation and on the plantation that gave a lot of information about, you know, about slaves and the slavery system and, um, you know, being, being freed, you would imagine, is a big deal, right? 
one of the things when you look at, at slavery, when you look at that time period, it's, it's very interesting because the plantation's big and beautiful. The plantation has lots of food. The plantation had shelter and, you know, things like that. And so, you know, one might sit there and go, well, that wasn't that bad of a situation to live under as a slave. They didn't have freedom. What does that mean? That means they couldn't come and go as they pleased, right? Um, now, there's other problems in, in, with, with slavery, but if you just think of that, that one, especially in light of this, look, Romans talks about that. We've been freed from the slavery of darkness. So, don't be a slave of sin anymore. Instead, be a slave of righteousness. By choice, we're now slaves to serve our master, God. That's our calling. And so wake up, hear God's word, hear his voice to this tender and gentle warning. We live now in the clarity of God's illumination. He's, he's revealed to us. There's a contrast. There's a difference between light and darkness. There's certain marks that, that, that identify whether you're in that, the goodness and righteousness and truth. We're commanded to, to not even participate with evil anymore. It's not a game. Playtime's over. Stop. We're, we're commissioned to also expose it. Why? to help others. If you're on a path with a guide or, you know, on the jungle cruise ship, he goes, watch out, be careful. Don't touch this. Don't walk there. Don't eat that. That's poisonous, right? Expose it. Why? So others are saved from it. And then hear the call, hear the call to wake up and to avoid this wrath. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your